So we are starting a new sermon series uh, for the summer, looking at some of Jesus' parables, um, something we have done in the summer before. Um, and the parables that, that Jesus told, the stories that he told, I find fascinating because they're really simple stories, but they're some of the most profound teaching moments in all of Jesus' ministry. Um, and, and I often ask myself, how can that possibly be? Jesus didn't dress up these stories. They're not these long, elaborate things. In fact, the one that we look at this morning um, about the two men uh, building their houses on different foundations, it's three verses long. And yet, it's it's so powerful, as you'll see as we unpack this morning. Um, but I think that these stories were so powerful because, as human beings, we like stories. You know, uh, some of you may remember when when you were little, and, and maybe there was a storm outside, or you couldn't get to sleep, or you were anxious, and someone came and told you a story. You know, we have the term bedtime stories for a reason to relax you and get you to sleep. We like stories. We enjoy stories. We enjoy when people tell us stories, um, and unless they're your children, because you know that you're going to be there for the next two hours listening to the story. Um, but it's okay. Um, one, one of my favorite authors, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, he wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. He wrote an essay about stories in which he talks about two kinds of belief that happen when someone tells you a story. The first is primary belief. So you know that this happened. You you have some knowledge. You know that what they're telling you actually happened. It's a true story. Um, that's primary belief. The second kind of belief is called secondary belief. And that is a little bit different. It's when someone tells you a story. And the story is told so well. Whether the characters are developed really well. Or it's a really interesting story. It's really intriguing. That you get drawn in. And you start to believe that, you know, maybe this did actually happen or it just seems really real. And so you start to engage with the story. You start to drift into belief. And this is how we feel. And I, I believe how the original audience felt with many of Jesus's parables. You know, I think of like the parable of the prodigal son. The story was told so well that you start to identify with the characters in the story. We've talked in here how you start to see yourself in the story. Um, you start to you start to sympathize with one character or another, and you rejoice when there's resolution. You know, when the thing of the prodigal son, the son comes home and the father's on the road. You, you feel your heart kind of swell because you know what's about to happen. Um, we live in a culture that would have you believe that life is okay and sometimes miserable, and and you do your best, you live live your best life, right? And then you die. What Tolkien says in his essay is that even in such cultures, human beings crave stories that talk about the supernatural, that talk about the spiritual. And specifically stories that depict huge um, love. This eternal love, love that brings about sacrificial heroism or love that triumphs over evil every time. Those are the stories that, that everyone enjoys. And so in his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, if I find, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And so we enjoy these otherworldly stories, you know, these stories of, of sacrifice that's bigger than what we maybe could find within ourselves. 
And did I cut off? Sound like my mic cut off. Sorry. Um, and so we're drawn into those. We get caught up in good stories. But I think what Jesus was trying to say through these simple stories is that we are caught up in a story. We're caught up in one story from beginning to end of God trying to put his family back together. And so even as, as we are here this morning, we are living out that story, that story that doesn't end until what we see in Revelation, which we just spent so many weeks on. We are living that out now. Um, I believe that Jesus came to sort of, through through his teaching and, and specifically through these stories, he came to kind of punch a hole in reality, in the way things are, so that we can look through the hole and see the way things were meant to be. Um, I believe that Jesus came to give us a glimpse of who and what we were created to be. And these stories give us and, and gave um, his audience at the time a glimpse into that. But in this story today, Jesus is showing us how we can live versus how many of us do live at times or, or maybe all the time. Um, the story we read today is, is the story about foundations, which doesn't sound very interesting uh, to begin with. Um, but one man builds his house on, on a rock foundation and one man builds his house on a ground on the ground with with no foundation. Um, most of you know how I feel about uh, flannel graphs, but uh, the flannel graph when I was little showed me that it was built on sand. Uh, but when when I read it this week, it was built with with no foundation, not just on sand. But either way, the result is the same. On the surface of the story, uh, it's it's about foundations. But as we look deeper, in verse forty seven, Jesus says, "Everyone who comes to me." And hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. And then he goes on to describe a man who not only built his house on a rock foundation, but in verse 48, he says, Jesus says that he dug, dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So it's not like the rock was just on the surface and the man just came upon a rock and he built his house on it. He dug deep. More on that in a minute. So we put a fence up at my house now oh, several weeks ago now, three or four weeks ago. Um, and we had to dig these post holes that were three feet deep. And I can tell you from experience, from watching my teenage son dig those post holes, that that, wa- that indicated to me that they were not easy to dig and it was not a fun experience. Before you judge me, it's important for teenage boys to have character-building experiences. Or at least that's what I tried to convince him. It didn't work. But um, all joking aside, just, just the sound of digging deep doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound pleasant. Um, you know, when, when the sports team we're rooting for, maybe the sports team that our our kid or grandkid is on is, is struggling and maybe they're in the rain and the players are tired and they can't go anymore. What does the coach say? Dig deep. It's, it, and the kids go, I don't want to dig deep. <laughs> I want it to be over. Even if we lose, um, we associate digging deep with hard, laborious work. Um, 
we don't associate digging deep with the word easy. And incidentally, in this story, neither does Jesus. Jesus associates digging deep with obedience to his word. There's another word we don't like, obedience. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't, it, it just, when we think of, when we talk about obeying, we start to think of rules and regulations. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus says that a strong foundation in your life is made by obedience to his word. Jesus says that a strong foundation in your life is made by obedience to his word. And again, that doesn't sound very attractive, but just go with me. In in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth, on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in this passage, Jesus says, go and make disciples of everyone, all nations, all people groups, no exceptions. Baptize them, but don't just stop at baptism or conversion, which is something that we're tempted to do sometimes um, and and is sort of a, an, an epidemic in the North American church where we, we get to conversion and as long as they prayed this prayer, they've signed this card or even been baptized, then they're good. But Jesus goes further, he says, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So we're to teach others what we are ideally modeling for them in our own lives. Obviously, what the way you live is normally what opens the door into someone's life. So ideally, you're modeling this obedience in your own life. And people see you and they think, what's different? So if you're wondering this morning about your foundation, about how you might strengthen your foundation, about what does this look like, God's word is a really good place to start. Because how can we know what Jesus says if we don't read his word? We can come to church every Sunday and we can hear what others say about his word. We can read all sorts of books about what others say about his word. But if we never read it ourselves, how do we know what it says? How do we know what it is that Jesus is saying to us on any given day? So the first man built his house, built his house upon this rock foundation that he dug deep to find. So the second character in today's story is another man who, like the first, also built a house, but this man built his house on the ground with no foundation. He just found a, a piece of land that looked good and started building. None of us would ever build an actual house on a piece of land without laying a foundation first. In fact, if we paid a builder and they did that, we'd be very upset. <laughs> and some attorney would make some money. But here's the thing. that The people that Jesus was teaching wouldn't have done that either. It's not like we've started building houses a different way. They, they would have heard that and said... What do, you, what do you mean he built a house with no foundation, Jesus? That's ridiculous. But that's exactly the point. Because if our conclusion is that what we've already established is that obedience to Christ is the way 
to build a firm foundation, a strong foundation, then the natural conclusion here is that not obeying Christ is ridiculous. It's like building a house with no foundation. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't last. It's not, it's not firm. So this is what I love about the stories that Jesus told is that there, there are so many layers to everything he says. When you get back to the man who decided to, to build this foundation or this house with no foundation, we think, you know, why, why would he do that? And if you think about it, you know, not skipping the foundation saves a lot of time, a whole lot of time. It saves a whole lot of hard work. I mean, fence post holes are nothing compared to digging a foundation. And and watching fence post holes being dug is nothing compared to watching someone dig a foundation. It cuts out a lot of time and effort. And as human beings, we have to admit to ourselves that sometimes we want to cut out the time and effort. We, we just do. The time and effort isn't, isn't enjoyable. Um, it makes the job easier to do that. But there's this other piece of the story that we haven't even talked about yet. There's this other aspect. And that's the fact that after they built their houses, the river broke and the floods came. Now this is the most important part for me. I mean, it's important that, to understand that the one on the rock foundation stayed standing. The one without a foundation fell apart. That's important. That's the surface thing. But underneath that, is that Jesus doesn't say, if the floods come and you have this type of foundation, you'll, it'll stand. If the floods come, if you have this type of foundation, it won't stand. Jesus said, when the floods came, because there will be floods. And Jesus was pretty clear on that. Multiple times in scripture, he was pretty clear. In fact, Jesus got really blunt with, with the disciples. You know, people will hate you for my name's sake. Jesus is not really following the attractional church model uh, in, in my mind. That doesn't sound like, you know, words that are going to just pull somebody in. Jesus is not trying to dress up the gospel to bring people in. So Jesus, again, here is is pretty straightforward in saying when the floods come, not if the floods come, when they do, there will be floods, there will be bad weather. There will be storms. There will be hardship. But after acknowledging this fact, then, then the question becomes, will you be able to stay standing in the midst of that hardship? And if not, there's hope. So let me share a, a little story with you, a little word picture. So we were at the beach a few weeks ago, and my kids teamed up with some other kids, and Carolyn, if you want to put the first picture up, they built this, which was just, and this, the picture doesn't really do it justice, but this sandcastle was huge. It was humongous. And I watched my kids build this thing. And then as they, so they started kind of building it. And then this other family was kind of over here and they had some kids too. And then they all kind of came in. And if you want to go to the second picture, next thing you knew, there were all these kids building the sandcastle, all with different creativity and Elliot, incidentally, was actually trying to knock the castle down. Um, so they gave him this job of making a pile of sand over here. But the rest of them were all building this immaculate castle. And 
they had all this help. So the castle just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It amazes me the creativity of kids. You know, as we get older, our creativity gets diminished because we think, oh, I can't do that. Kids don't have that. So they just go, hey, what if we did this? And it just kept getting larger and larger and larger. And so they were so proud of this of this sand castle, if you want to move forward. So they were so proud of this thing. And they dressed it up with seaweed and, and all this stuff. It was so cool. Um, and they even, you probably can't see it there, but they even put shells. Yeah, you can kind of see. They put shells on some of the towers. It was amazing. It lasted all day long. Other kids, after, so the other family ended up leaving after my kids forgot about it. Other kids came along and were like, whoa, look at this sandcastle. And they started playing with it. My kids are out in the water. But then as the day went on, you can imagine what happened. Little by little, the waves came in a little further and a little further and a little further. And I know you're expecting a picture of the castle with nothing left. I didn't get one. Um, so you just have to take my word for it. Secondary belief. Um, but it just, it started slow and they dug like this trench around it that you can see. And the trench was for water. They didn't realize that it's a trench filled up with water. It would slowly take away a little more sand, a little more sand. And then the, the castle started to look a little sad. And then it started to look almost like just a mound of sand. And then little by little, there was no castle at all. And it was just smooth beach again. Um, my wife has converted me into a beach person, which I'm not sure that I can ever forgive her for, but... Um, I never was before I got married, but the kids came back at the end of the day and they were looking for this castle. They wanted to get one last look at this huge creation and it was gone. And they were just like, well, what happened? And the oldest one, of course, Isaiah, he knew what happened. Um, but it, it, it didn't last. It wasn't solid. It wasn't firm. Yeah, they had packed the sand as tight as they could, but it wasn't quite enough it didn't matter how many hands were there to build the castle it wasn't firm it was still gone my point church is that this world will slowly try and eat away at your foundation some of you may be in the midst of a week where the waves are in high and some of you may be in the midst of a week where the waves are still a ways off and sometimes you may even catch yourself believing the lies that this world has to sell, and they are many. But the question is, how solid is the faith that you're standing on this morning? Is the world carrying you away little by little? Is that the situation you find yourself in? Are the waves at this point more than you can handle? We sometimes operate under this misconception that God will never give us more than we can handle. I've heard that my whole life. That's not necessarily true. Because we aren't meant to do it on our own. And so the reality is, is that God will never give you more than he can handle. Because we're meant to be walking with him. One of the guys that works for me really likes the Footprints poem that many of you are probably familiar with. And if you're not, 
I'm not going to recite it this morning, but if you just Google footprints poem, you will find many different versions that all kind of say the same thing. Um, and it is a, it's a beautiful poem, but we were meant to walk with God in the garden. We walked with God. The garden wasn't perfect because all man's needs were met. It was perfect because all man's needs were met by God. We were walking with God. We were, we were still meant to be doing that. Again, Jesus came to give us a glimpse of the way things were meant to be. And so God will never give us more than he can handle because you weren't meant to do it on your own. And if you try to do it on your own, it's just like building a foundation on top of the ground. It won't work. The world gets overwhelming very, very quickly. The floods come and they come in big. And the thing is, we often don't know how strong or weak our foundation is until the floods come. Until we're in a situation where we have to ask ourselves, can I trust God? Can I trust this? Can I put my weight down on this foundation? And then we have to, and sometimes we find that the foundation is wobbly, the foundation is weak, and sometimes we find that we really can trust God. He really is who he says he is. He really will do what he says in his word. We're about to enter into a time of communion, a time of what one pastor in my lifetime said was sitting at the table with Jesus, which I think is a great way to think about it, to visualize our time here. And if you find yourself this morning with a weakened foundation or with no foundation, you're not alone. You're not by far alone. Sometimes we come in here and we think, I'm the only one struggling this way. Everybody else in here has got it figured out. And that, that is one of those lies that the world and the enemy will sell you. I would encourage you, if you find yourself this morning in that situation, that you come to Jesus this morning. Communion reminds me, reminds us, that the important part is that we don't have to go one more day being tossed around by the world. You don't owe this world anything. God is offering us a more solid way to live, a firmer foundation, a life where we can have confidence that the creator of the universe is walking with us every step of the way, but is also fighting for us every step of the way, and oh, is also in the future working on our behalf already, preparing things for us, and that he knows more than we do. And so when we think about that, and we also think about the way that we try and do things on our own so often, it makes us feel kind of silly. It makes me feel kind of silly. Why would I try and do it on my own when God can do it better than me? You know, like when I was little and I needed to reach something up on the high shelf and my dad was six foot two and he could reach it a lot better than me. Why wouldn't I just ask him to, to do it? It seems so simple. But just like these stories that Jesus told are simple. But then we overcomplicate things, so we try and do it on our own. We want to have control. I'm telling you this morning, you never had control. You don't have control now. And I'm sorry if I'm the bearer of bad news there. But I myself love control, and God has proven many times that uh, I'm not equipped, and I was never meant to be. As we come to communion this morning, come to Jesus. Lay it all down.
Strengthen the foundation. Rely on God. Pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for the way that your word speaks to us. Uh, as, as I said earlier, just in three short verses, it speaks to us so much. Father, I thank the way, I thank you for the way you, you speak to us through life situations. This, this, as I was watching this sandcastle thing unfold, God, I was just so reminded of, of this story. Um, God, you speak to us in so many ways. And I believe you do that because you, you want to be a part of our lives. You, you want to strengthen us. You, you, you want to offer us this new way to live. God, you, you want us to have joy so that we might be able to go out into this world and show others this joy we have found in you and, and thereby build the kingdom and so that you might be glorified, God. God, that is our desire this morning is for you to be glorified. And so we ask ourselves, what, what will we build our lives on, God? And, and you offer the only solution that lasts, the only solution that matters. Because if we build our lives on other human beings or on our work or on anything else, it will eventually fail. And we'll be left laying on the ground. But God, you are the only foundation that, that, doesn't, that doesn't dissolve beneath us. And for that, we love you, God, and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.